This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we've been talking about, you know, unlocking God's blessings. And there's all kinds of keys that we discover in this book that unlock so many blessings that dynamically impact our lives. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about unlocking God's blessing of mercy. And mercy, you might just hear the word, well, mercy, yeah, okay, well, yeah, it's not that big of a to-do, but let me tell you, once you study this word out and in the fullness of what God's word says about it, it's fantastic, it's awesome, it's wonderful. Anyhow, let me share a few thoughts here with you. Um, A mother once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. The emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice and justice demanded death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon said. Sir, the woman cried. It would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I asked for. Well, then the emperor said, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. See, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy, right? That's just the truth of it. In Reader's Digest, Jim Williams of Montana writes, he says, I was driving... Too fast late one night. When I, oh, here, let me see. You know what? We've been working on this microphone for a month. Beard? Oh, come on. He thought it was my pocket knife. Huh? I just can't bow, you know, I reckon, you know. Anyhow, see, what was I looking for? Oh, yeah, I have that there. says, I was driving too fast late one night when I saw the flashing lights of a police car in my rearview mirror. As I pulled over and rolled down the window of my station wagon, I tried to dream up an excuse for my haste. But when the patrolman reached the car, he said nothing. Instead, and you know how what policemen have with them at nighttime? I'm always looking for an opportunity to use my flashlight, you know. So it says that uh, when he reached the car, he said nothing. Instead, he merely shined his flashlight in my face. And then he shined a light on my seven months pregnant wife and then on our snoozing 18 month old in his car seat and then on our three other children who were also asleep and lashing on the two dogs in the very back of the car returning the beam of light to my face he then uttered the only words of the encounter son he said you can't afford a ticket Now slow it down 
And with that, he returned to his car and he drove away. If you are ever pulled up by a, a policeman, patrol, whatever, you never say, give me justice, you know. You say, mercy, mercy, don't give me what I deserve, you know. And so it is for sinners who call out to Jesus, show me your mercy. We don't want justice, you know, we really don't. Let me give you a basic definition for the word mercy. Mercy is God's tenderness of heart, loving compassion, and patience to those who deserve punishment. Mercy is God's kindness and grace to those who do not deserve it. His judgment is always the result of mercy that was offered and then it was refused. Papa God, we hear a siren off in the distance and we ask that you'd help those people who is in need right now and help those first uh, responders to get there and be able to uh, meet the needs, whatever they might be, and protect them all, Lord, and draw them unto yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember this part of that definition. His judgment is always the result of mercy that was offered and refused. So if, when God offers you mercy, that means not to give you what you deserve and you reject it. Well, I don't want, your, I don't want anything from you then the only alternative you have left is judgment. And we really don't want judgment, do we? I don't want judgment. I really don't. Anyhow, it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and this is in the Amplified Bible, it says, The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is long-suffering, extraordinarily extraordinarily patient. God is extraordinarily patient. Aren't you glad? He's been extraordinarily patient with us. He says, but he is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. Because God is merciful. God ain't mad at nobody. God is on the move, and he's, he's after each and every one of us. But what he's trying to do when he's after us, he's after us to forgive us. You know, it says in the 23rd Psalm, we talk about it quite often, where it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We are being followed by goodness and, and, and mercy and, and truth. Surely goodness and mercy follow us, you know, they're tagging along. They're, they're, they're tracking us down. You know, that's just the, the, the way it is. And grace is getting what you, all the good stuff that you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting the bad stuff that you do deserve. I read about a politician. You can read all kinds of things about politicians, you know. I read about a politician who, after receiving the proofs of his portrait, he was angry, very angry with the photographer. He stormed back to the photographer and he said, this picture does not do me justice. And the photographer replied, sir, with a face like yours, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> so it kind of proves our point, you know. We need mercy in all areas 
of our life. Psalm 67 verse 1 says, May God be merciful and bless us. And that's our prayer too. May God be merciful and may he bless us with his mercy. And what we're going to do today is discover the keys. And we, we're all familiar with keys. We're going to discover the keys that unlocks the blessing of mercy to us. And we surely want it, you know. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face shine with favor upon us. And then it says interlude, which just means stop and think about that. So let's read the verse again. May God be merciful. That's our prayer. May God be merciful and bless us and may his face shine with favor upon us, you know. So let's work really diligently to discover the keys that unlock the blessings of his mercy. Because as you discover the mercy of God, you'll want all that you can get. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, and this is in the Message Bible, very powerful passage, it says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired, mired. Now, what does mired mean? Mm, stuck. Have you ever got your car mired in the mud? <laughs> you know, or maybe stalled, but stuck is what it's talking about. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. It wasn't too long ago. Each and every one of us were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, and the world which doesn't know the first thing about living, this old secular world that we live in, it don't know the first thing about living. It really doesn't. Not the way God designed it to be. It says, you let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief. You know, if you, you hear this and you watch this and you read that and all this negativism, negative, negative, you can't do this, you got, I got to do this, do this, that, that and another, don't do this way, just from the secular world. And we're breathing in, as, as the Message Bible says, uh, we're breathing in polluted unbelief. And read again, verse 2. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live, and you fill your lungs with polluted unbelief, and then exhale what? Disobedience. So if you're breathing in this unbelief, this polluted unbelief, and then what we're going to exhale is disobedience. We're not going to obey God. It don't matter. Nobody does that, you know. But it matters to God. It genuinely does. Verse 3 says, we all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing. You ever heard that statement, you know? Well, if it feels good, do it. Has consequences to it, though. It says, we all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, and all of us in the same boat. It was a wonder that God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. It was a wonder, you know. And then it explains something to us. In verse 4 it says, Instead, immense in mercy, immense. Now, let me just give you a, a few words to help you grasp the magnitude of the word immense. 
The word immense means huge, vast, enormous, massive, gigantic, colossal, immeasurable, great. He says instead, immense. He's huge in mercy and with an incredible, and he's talking about here, astonishing and and amazing and extraordinary kind of love. He is immense. God is immense in mercy and with an incredible love. See, God's love and, and grace are very well illustrated by the waves of the ocean. Now, how many waves will an ocean have before it quits? Has anybody ever seen the... I'm not talking about when it changes its direction of tide and you've got a lull for just a few moments. Since I was born until this very day, there's more waves coming into the ocean, aren't they? And that's the best description of God's mercy and grace. There's always another wave that's going to flow over us. His amazing grace and his oh, immense mercy. There's another wave of it coming our way. God loves us. He's crazy about us. He doesn't want judgment hitting us. He wants his mercy to come our way and not give us what we deserve. That's what he's talking about. See, God is rich in mercy the same way the ocean is rich in waves. God is rich in mercy. There's always another wave of his mercy coming our way. Like there's another wave of the ocean going to wash ashore. That's just the way it is. Picking up here in verse 5, it says, He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives, and he made us alive in Christ. He did it all. He did all this on his own with no help from us. We didn't really have anything to do with it. Then he picked us up and he set us down in highest heaven in the company with Jesus, our Messiah. The scripture tells us that we are seated positionally, not physically there yet, but positionally we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. The authority that he has given unto us because we are seated in heavenly places. God's done this for us. And we're in a relationship with his son Jesus right now. Verse 6 says, Then he picked us up and he set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. In relationship with his son. With all the time in this world and the next. Now I... I know I probably showed y'all this once before. This is just an algae bottle that you put in your backpack, you know, when you're going up on a mountain. But this one has a little pump on the top of it, you know. And I just wanted to illustrate something for you guys, you know. And it's just uh, something like this, you know. Do y'all feel any rain in here, you know? Wow. Oh, the water's been sterilized. It's, it's safe, Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm so, oh, Kyle, I'm, I'm sorry, you know. I was aiming for the vitesses back over there, you know. But I wanted you to understand this right here, which it says, if I could remember what verse I was at. I don't know, you all remember where I was at? He says, now God has us where he wants us. 
with all the time in the world in the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. You all understand shower? If you don't, I'll demonstrate it again. He says, you know, with all the time in this world and the next to shower his grace and kindness upon us. Uh, he wants, God wants to shower his, his mercy and his kindness, his grace, his love, his blessings. He wants to shower us with blessings. He genuinely does, you know. He goes on to say here in verse 8, saving is all, and what percentage is all? 100%. Did, did we figure out how to get saved and talk to God about it and see if he'd do what we want him to do? <clears throat> Not at all. Saving is all his idea. And all, and what percentage is that all? And all his work. It was his idea. It was 100% his work. And then he goes on to say, all we do, and what percentage is that? All. 100% of what we do is this. Trust him. That's all. That's all we do to receive forgiveness, be showered with his blessings and his mercy and his grace, and to be saved. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. That's mercy. You and I have had nothing to do with our creation and us becoming new creatures in Christ Jesus. The only thing we can do is trust him and receive it. That's all we can do. We can't add nothing to that, you know. He goes on to say in verse 9, we don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing, you know. Is that human nature? Yes. Yeah. You know, well, look what I did. Well, I'm not as bad as those other people over there. Well, I got myself saved, man. You got yourself saved. You really did. No, I think God did it all. You, you, you received it when he offered it to you, see. And he offers mercy to us all, and we'll receive that. You know, it changes our lives. If we don't, we're stuck with judgment. That's just the way it is. Anyhow, if I can figure out where I was at again, let me see here. Verse 9. Okay, we don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both, the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. He invites us. And if you're ever going to get involved in serving God, you better get it done now. Yeah, there might not be a whole lot more time to serve him, you know. And I don't really think... That prayer is going to be that big of a to-do in heaven when you can just sit down with Jesus and have a face-to-face -face conversation. You know what I'm saying? But prayer is vital now. So if you're ever going to, you know, pray and seek God and learn how to pray to get your prayers answered, now's the time to get her done. It really is. Anyhow, he says here in uh, verse 10, No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both, the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him, to join him in the work that he does. And he does it fantastically. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, and he's gotten work ready for each and every one of us to do. 
work we had better be doing. Verse 11 says, but don't take away, but don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways, it was only yesterday you were outsiders to God's ways, had no idea of any of this, didn't know the first thing about the way God works, didn't understand this. It wasn't that long ago. We didn't understand how God's work. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about the what God was doing in the world at large. And man, he's still doing. Now because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it all together... Or in on what? God has invited you, though you were an outsider in the beginning, because we've all sinned. He's let us in on everything. All we got to do is trust him and believe him and receive everything that he has in store for us. And he's given us a book so we can find the, the keys that unlock all the, the blessings of almighty God upon you and your family and your loved ones. Mercy is God's way. He is merciful, absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. Grace is receiving all the good that we don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving all the bad that we do deserve. Listen to what it says here in Matthew 18, verse 21 in the Message Bible. It says, at that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive? my brother or my sister who hurt me. You know, I mean, how many times should Kyle forgive me for squirting him, you know? <laughs> how many times, this is Peter's asking this important question here, how many times do I forgive a brother or a sister who hurts me? Seven? And Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times 7. And what's 70 times 7? Almost 500 times for the same offense. That means if, if I squirt, you know, Kyle, you know, 490 times a day, he's got to forgive me. Now, if I let the air out of his tire, that's a different offense. That's not part of the 490. You got to start a new number on that one. And, and, and you know, and then the next day, you got to wash it all away and start the count again. It's just too many times that we could ever even keep up with it. So Jesus is telling us we just got to keep on forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Verse 23 says, the kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. You know, as God will do with us one day. Verse 24 says, and as he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. And he wouldn't pay up. Uh, he couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife and children and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. And the poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet, and he begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it all Hold back. Now, you and I both know, especially being in prison, but even not in prison, 
when king's upset with you for embezzlement and all this kinds of stuff, there ain't no way you can come up with $100,000, not in that day and time, you know? So you're, you're making statements that cannot possibly be true. But let me, let me digress a moment here. He says, I'll pay it all back. Oh, verse 27 says, touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. Now, what would you call that? Mercy. He don't deserve to be let off the hook, but the king showed mercy. Listen to this in Daniel 9. We could come right back here in a moment. But Daniel 9, 18 says, we do not ask because we deserve help. Because we don't but because you are so merciful. God, we're not asking because we deserve your help, but we're asking because you are so merciful. God is love. God is merciful. God is grace. I mean, he is just amazing. He's crazy in love with each and every one of you. Just go back to verse 28 here in Matthew 18. He says, the servant was no singer sooner out of the room. The king had just erased his debt and showed him great mercy. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. Ooh, that don't sound too good, does it? Especially considering he just came out of the king's throne room and his Debt was completely paid off, erased, showed mercy. And look how he's acting. The poor ranch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. And this guy could have eventually paid back the 10 bucks. He could have actually done that. But he wouldn't do it. This other servant wouldn't give him a chance to try to earn it and pay it back. He had him arrested and put into jail until the debt was paid. You ever figure this thing out that it's kind of hard to pay off a debt while you're in jail? You know what I'm saying? When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and they brought a detailed report to the king. And the king summoned the man and he said, this is what he said to him, you evil servant. You evil servant. I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for what? For mercy. I forgave the whole thing when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? I mean, that's just only common sense, is it not? Shouldn't you show mercy because God has been merciful toward you? Oh, man. In Psalm 145, verse 8, it says, The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to get angry. He's patient, slow to get angry and full of unfailing love. The Lord is good to, what's that say? What percentage is everyone? The Lord is good to everyone and he showers compassion on all. Do y'all understand shower? You know, I mean, I mean, shower is really like a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Hey, caught him playing on his phone. I'm sorry. You, you should probably have to bring an umbrella to church from now on, maybe, you know. But do you forgive me? That's four times I've, I've, I've showered you, you know. Anyhow, he says here, the Lord is good to everyone. 
He showers compassion on all. On 100% of us, he showers his compassion and his mercy upon his creation. Let me go back to Matthew now, verse uh, 34. It says, the king was furious and he put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. Now, this guy owed $100,000. You think he's going to pay it back? He might want to, but he can't do it. He just can't do it. Let me read you what the King James Bible says here. And his Lord was wroth, which just means angry. His Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. And let me just give you the word to understand what a tormentor is. It is a torturer. You remember in the passion of Christ before Jesus went to the cross? He was tormented. He was tortured, was he not? Now, the way you and I get tortured is through sickness and poverty. And when just things just don't go well for us, everything kind of backfires and goes wrong. And do you know who's, who, who is saying these words that we're reading? In Matthew 18 there? Do I have a clue who's saying that? Jesus is saying that. And he says here, and, and, and Jesus says in verse 30, uh, 34, and I'm going to read it to you again out of the King James. It says, and his Lord was wroth, angry, and delivered him to the tormentors, or torturers, until he should pay all that was due unto him. And then Jesus says in verse 35, and that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally Anyone who asks for mercy. Now, Jesus said this, and I've had people say, well, I ain't going to forgive so-and-so. Well, then you're not going to be forgiven. That's what Jesus said. Well, I ain't going to show mercy. You know what they did to me? Well, if you can't show mercy to someone else, you will not receive mercy. If you cannot forgive someone else, you will not be forgiven. And if you're not forgiven, you don't make it to heaven. You go, oh, I don't believe that. Well, you just read it for yourself. This is what Jesus says. And that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. It is so important. And to make it clear, let's read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. It says, God blesses those. God blesses those who are what? Who are merciful. And that means actively You know, they're compassionate. It says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. But those who are not merciful shall not be shown mercy. You you can't just receive all the blessings and the forgiveness and the mercy from Almighty God and then turn and and, and be mean and ornery and, and all toward other people because God forgives everybody. He does, and this is, this is one of the keys to unlock the mercy that comes our way. He offers us mercy, but if we're not merciful to others, we can't, we can't unlock it. It don't work for us. The blessing of mercy don't work for us. The blessing of grace, we just can't get it working for us, you know? We can't really walk in the forgiveness. We got bitterness in our hearts and all, but if we'll just forgive those who've hurt us and done us wrong, what did Jesus say when he was hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them. This is people who beat him, who tortured him. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And Jesus says if we do not forgive others, he says his Father in heaven will turn us over to the torturers 
and that sickness and disease and poverty and all that, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We understand that. Anyhow, did anybody ever watch that movie, Karate Kid? The Karate Kid was a pretty cool movie when I, when I saw it years ago. And uh, Daniel's son was the, the kid there, and he was getting beat up by these other guys from a, a karate gym there. Uh, was, and the guy was pretty ornery. He was a mean instructor. And do you remember what the mean instructor was teaching his kids? No mercy. When they were, you know, sparring together, no mercy. When you're in a competition, no mercy. When you fight, you go for it all, you know. Now, Mr. Miyagi, and the, the bad instructor was about this tall. Mr. Mr. Miyagi was about this tall, you know. And uh, Danielson kept getting beat up, so he asked Mr. Miyagi, would you teach me some karate? And and he didn't want to teach karate for the sake of being mean, but he saw he was getting beat up, so he helped him. And so he got into some competition so they could do it in, a, in a, uh, an honorable kind of way, you know, and things like that. And Mr. Miyagi was really good in a movie, you know. So Danielson, he went into the competition, and he beat the bad guys. He really did. And the instructor of the bad guys got upset with his boys that he'd been training and he was out there and he was punching on them and beating them up and things like that because they didn't win the, uh, the trophies and off. So Mr. Miyagi comes out. And he don't like people beating up on other people. So he goes over there and the mean guy's going, what are you doing, you know? And, and the bad guy throws a punch at Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi just steps out of the way and he just shreds his hand through a, a, the, the window of a car. He's just bleeding all over the place. And then he gets me, and, and he punches him again, and he shreds his other hand on another window. You know, Mr. Miyagi is really not trying to hurt him or anything like that, but then they go to it just for a little bit, and then Mr. Miyagi gets him on his knees, and he's looking up like that, and Mr. Miyagi has his fist back, and then he goes, he grabs his nose and goes, oink. What was that? That was mercy. He didn't give the guy what he deserved. And God is merciful. He does not give us the bad, that, the judgment that you and I deserve. He just does not do that. There are times when we feel a person doesn't deserve mercy. That person should suffer, you know. But we say, Lord, please help us understand your mercy and, and help us to allow your mercy to work in us and through us to other people. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, for all, what percentage is that? 100%, that's everybody on the planet. We all have sinned. All, 100% falls short of God's glorious standard. And then in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, and for the wages of sin, and we've all sinned and we all fall short, but the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is a fantastic display of God's mercy. He says it's a free gift. And you can receive the mercy of Almighty God and forgiveness and pardon. You can receive it. That's what God wants us to receive. But if you don't show it to other people, just like that old king took back his mercy and turned the, the, the bad servant over to the torturers, if you don't show mercy and forgiveness to other people, you're not going to be forgiven. It's just the way it is, like it or not. And we can argue and debate with God all we want to, but we know he's going to end up 
the argument. You know that, right? And he's loving and he's kind and he's merciful. As we focus on God's forgiveness, we learn to be merciful. And this is where the unmerciful serpent, he went wrong. He forgot the forgiveness that the king had showed him is what he needs to begin to do to others. And as Jesus has forgiven us, we need to become Christ-like. We need to become Christian, which means Christ-like, and forgive other people and show mercy to them. Oh, it's not right. Of course it's not right. You know, they deserve judgment. They deserve bad consequences. But we forgive them because that's what Jesus would do. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, he's challenging us to practice this, okay? To practice being merciful. He says, and be ye kind. And it's in the form of a song. You might know it. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. We got to be the same way to other people. Remember when someone close to you avoided you and shrugged you off? Now imagine that person having all kinds of trouble and problems because of bad choices that they made. And they then come and ask you for help. And you help them as if you had, they had never ever hurt you. That's mercy. They don't deserve your help because of the way they treated you. But when you help them anyhow, that's mercy. That's mercy. And mercy shows compassion to someone who's offended us and hurt us really, really bad. Listen to this passage in Lamentations and in the Message Bible. Uh, he says, chapter 3, verse 20, I remember it all. I remember the whole thing. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. You ever felt that? You ever felt like you hit the bottom? I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember. And remembering, I keep a grip on hope. <laughs> I keep a grip on hope. Uh, let's not spiral down into the despair default. When you just spiral down into the despair default, you just remember all the, you remember what he did to me? You remember what she did to me? You remember what they did to me? You remember what they said about me? You remember when they didn't help me when I really, and we just think and think and think and we just spiral down into the despair default. It says, remembering, I keep a grip on hope. And we know hope is a confident expectation for the future. And then he says in verse 22, God's loyal love couldn't have run out and God's royal love will never run out. There is no empty on the mercy tank of Almighty God. You may run out of gas because you forgot to put it in. But God will never, ever run out of mercy. The next verse says, His merciful love couldn't have dried up. And, and, and the King James Bible, verse 20 says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. His mercy and compassion never fails. He never hits empty. And we need to make sure we don't hit empty also. We need to get a good tight grip on hope, the confident expectation for the future. 
Anyhow, verse 23, still talking about mercy, it says, they're created new every morning. Mercy will never be exhausted because God creates mercy new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. He will never run out of mercy. And neither should you or I ever run out of mercy. Verse 24 says, I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope. That's that confident expectation for the future. Quietly hope for help from God. Confident expectation for the future. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves. That means don't run around naked all the time, you know. He says you've got to close yourselves. What's it say close yourself with? Tender-hearted mercy. Not close yourself with bitterness. Not close yourself with unforgiveness. But if, since God chose you and God has chose you to be like him, to be uh, the holy people whom he loves, you must Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must, verse 13, you must make allowance for each other's faults, each other's errors and, and, and blunders and mistakes and slip-ups and all that. For each other's sin, you must make allowance for it. You know, in order to live, you must breathe oxygen. If you want to live, you, you must breathe oxygen. And you must plant seeds if you want your garden to grow. And you must keep your body warm to prevent hypothermia. And, and you must stay hydrated and eat food if, 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 if you want to stay alive. And, and so you understand the word must. And verse 13 says, you must make allowance for each other's faults. You, you must. You know, well, I don't want to. Well, we can understand that for a little bit as you're processing this whole thing but you must you must make allowance you you must forgive them you must show them mercy you don't have to be your their best buddy you know you don't she's like we're the body of christ your toe don't spend a lot of time with your nose does it no they're a long ways apart but it's still part of the body and you're glad you got the whole body and he says you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you Remember the Lord forgave you, so you, what's that word? So you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. And love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And that's that faultless harmony. Luke chapter 6 verse 36 says, you must, and this is in the original New Living Translation, you must be compassionate, which is, Actively compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. And all the other translations I looked in, it says you must be merciful as your father is merciful. Anyhow, picking up in verse 37, it says, stop judging others. Stop being a a critic, you know. Stop judging others. Because when when you judge somebody as being wrong and you judge them as undeserving, You are unmerciful because when you go, you know what? I received mercy and I didn't receive it. I mean, I didn't deserve it. And I'm not going to judge you 
You know, I'm just going to show you mercy. I'm going to forgive you. And he says that right here. Stop judging others and you will not be judged. If you judge others, you're going to be judged. Stop criticizing others or it will all. Now, what percentage is all? Remember all the judgment and all the criticism that's come out of your mouth in the last week, the last month, the last year, the last decade. He says, stop criticizing others, stop judging them and criticizing or it will all come back on you. We don't want all that judgment and criticism coming back on us, do we? No. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. That's what I'm talking about. Forgive others. When we forgive others, it is the key to being pardoned. If we don't forgive other people, we can't be pardoned, you know? Being merciful to others is the key to receiving mercy. You've got to be merciful. If you're not merciful to other people, you say, well, that's just the way I am. That's the way I was raised. Well, you wasn't raised very well, I can tell you that, because you're not going to receive mercy if you don't show it to other people. This is keys. And you can say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that key. Well, if you say you don't like the key to your car, well, then you're going to have to walk. Well, I don't like the key to my house. Well, then you're going to have to sleep outside with the mosquitoes, okay? You learn to use the keys that have been provided to us, you know? We should forget all the faults of others. And we should forget all the, the troubles of our past. It says in Genesis chapter 41, verse 51, it says, Joseph. You remember Joseph who was sold into slavery? His brothers hated his guts. Joseph named his older son Manasseh. For he said, God has made me what? Forget all my troubles and the family of my father. And that's what his son was named. You know, God has caused me to forget all my troubles. So every time he called his son, he was remembering, God has made me forget all my troubles. Philippians chapter 3, that was Joseph there. Over here's Paul says, no, dear friends, I'm still not all I should be, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past. This is the key. I'm forgetting the past, your past. I'm forgetting my past, you know. It's what he says right here. And I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Both of those men, Joseph and Paul, both of those men had things done to them that could, could make you resentful and make you unforgiven. But God helped them to forget those things. And we just got to forget what people did to us. We got to forget our own sins the way God forgets our sins when he forgives us. And we got to forget what other people did to us. And if you're talking about it and you're, well, you know what so-and-so did to me? That means you haven't forgiven him. Because when God forgives you, guess what? He will never, ever bring it up and he chooses to forget it. That's just the truth. So if you start telling somebody, well, let me tell you what somebody did to me. You've not forgiven you have not forgiven, and the mercy of God does not extend to you. He wants it to, but you're rejecting it by being unmerciful toward other people. Oh, man. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore, let us, with privilege, approach the throne of grace. That's God's enabling power. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence. Approach the throne of, of God's grace with confidence and without fear so that we may receive what? Mercy. Approach God with boldness and confidence and not fear that we may receive mercy 
for our failures. Oh, have we ever made mistakes? Have we ever had failures? Yeah, so that we may receive mercy for our failures. You've got to approach God with faith. And then it says, and find his amazing grace to help us in time of need. Hmm, an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. And God will help you at the right moment. I don't care what you're going through, and I don't care how bad it is. He will help you through it. He will show his mercy and his love and his compassion, and he will help you. But if you have bitterness and resentment and are unmerciful toward others, you're not going to find too much of it your own self. That's just the way it is. Let me uh, read um, verse 6 in Luke 6, uh, verse 38. In this passage, we usually think about it's talking about money, gifting money. But I don't want you to look at that. I want you to think of it in a different way today. It says in verse 38, he says, if you give, you will receive. I want you to think about mercy for a moment. If you give money, well, you know you're going to receive it back. It's going to come back a boomerang. But if you, if you give mercy, you will receive it. And your gift of mercy will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more mercy and running over. Oh, whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, do you show just a little bit of mercy to someone or do you show them a lot of mercy? Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure what is given back to you. So if you give a little bit of mercy, you're going to get just a little bit of mercy. If you give a dump truck load of mercy, you're going to receive a dump truck load of mercy right back to you. This is what it says in James chapter 2, verse 13. For there will be no mercy... For you, if you have not been merciful to others, this is extremely clear. You know, it's not necessarily the message we want to hear because when someone hurts us, we, we want to be unforgiven. We want to hope something bad happens to them. You be merciful. The Bible says, for there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy toward you will win out over his judgment against you. If you're merciful, God's mercy is going to win out, not judgment. But if you are unmerciful, all you got left is just judgment. It's going to come to you. Oh, I just got to read that. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy toward you will win out over his judgment against you. That's what I'm talking about, you know. I want more of God's mercy, you know, flowing to me and then flowing out through me. Listen to this verse. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, and this is in a song form as well. It says, he has showed me, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, do justly, and to love what? Mercy. mercy. I love mercy as it flows to me, and I love mercy as it flows out to other people. To do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Mercy is a fascinating thing. So let's try to understand it and let us practice mercy to all the people that God brings into our um, sphere of influence. As Vice President George Bush represented the United States at the funeral of former Soviet leader Brezhnev, 
Bush was deeply moved by a silent protest carried out by Brezhnev's widow. She stood motionless by the coffin until seconds before it was closed. And then just as the soldiers touched the lid, Brezhnev's wife, she performed an act of great courage and hope, a gesture that must surely rank as one of the most profound acts of civil disobedience ever committed. She reached down and she made the sign of the cross on her husband's chest. There in the citadel of secular atheist power, the wife of the man who had run it all hoped that her husband was wrong. She hoped that there was another life and that that life was best represented by Jesus who died on the cross and she drew the symbol of a cross on his chest and that the same Jesus might yet have mercy on her husband. She hoped and she was willing to risk her very own life in hoping that God would be merciful. Well, I don't know about his relationship with him and God, but I can tell you this, God is merciful to you right now if you can hear. If you're still breathing, God is merciful if we'll receive it. If we refuse it, the only thing we have left is judgment. And I'm just saying that's just the way it is. Now I'm going to close. I'm just going to read you a little story. I'm going to close. Katie Fisher, 17. She pulled her unruly lamb into the arena at the Madison County Junior Live Stock Sale last July. With luck, the lamb would fetch some spending money and she wouldn't collapse as she had during another livestock show the day before. Fisher had been battling Burkett's lymphoma, a fast-growing malignancy, since February. She had endured many hospitalizations and, and months of chemotherapy. Sometimes in the beginning, it hurt so bad, all she could do was pace back and forth, said her 12-year-old sister, Jessica. Selling the lamb did raise pen money, for Fisher, we sort of let the folks know that Katie had a situation before the auction. That Katie had a situation that wasn't too pleasant, said the auctioneer, Roger Wilson. So he let the people know when there was bidding on the, the lamb, who had hoped his introduction would push the price per pound above the average $2 a pound for the lamb. It did. And then some, the lamb sold for $11.50 per pound after the auctioneer said, this little young lady here, she's got a very, very malignant disease and we want to do our best for her. So the lamb sold for $11.50 per pound and the buyer gave it back. That started a chain reaction. Families bought the lamb and gave it back. Businesses bought the lamb and gave it back to be auctioned again. The first sale is the only one I remember. After that, I was crying too hard, said Katie's mother, Jane Fisher. Everyone kept saying, resale, resale. And we sold that lamb that night 36 times for $11.50 a pound, said Wilson. And the last buyer gave the lamb back to Katie for good.
The effort raised more than $16,000, which went into a fund to help pay Katie's medical expenses. It is so blessed. The Bible says blessed. More blessed are those who give than those who receive. And the mercy of Almighty God, he just keeps giving us far more than we could ever imagine. He forgives us and he blesses us in so many ways and we don't deserve it. And, and she, in reality, she didn't deserve $16,000 for a little old lamb that wouldn't have cost but just a, a few bucks. She didn't really deserve it. But they showed her mercy. And it just gives us a little snapshot of the mercy of God toward you and me. God is merciful. He's not mad at any one of you here or watching online or up in the back. He's not mad at any one of you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And he just wants you to be a recipient of his mercy. And he wants his mercy to flow not just to you, but through you, to people who've hurt you, people who've offended you, have taken advantage of you, hurt other people that you love. And it seems to be the right thing to be bitter toward them. But God forgives them. And he says, I want you to forgive them too. This old world we live in, it's sin down here and it gets a hold of us. But show mercy. So what I'd like to do right now is for us to pray. And if you know Christ as your Savior, would you reaffirm your faith in him that you have received his mercy? And if you've never received his mercy and his grace, would you pray with me and declare your faith in Christ right now? And maybe you strayed away. Maybe now it's the time to get right with him and receive his mercy because you don't want to be turned over to the torturers. No, you don't. And these are keys that God's word makes it very clear. It's the truth. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And I thank you so much. He gave his life for me. He shed his blood to wash my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I receive your love. I receive Jesus as my Savior as my Lord, and as my soon-coming King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I want to live the rest of my life in a way that honors you. Help me, almighty God, in Jesus' name.